Hi, I'm Trevor. And I'm Laura. We're married, and we like to do a lot of different things together. But what got us together initially was that we love to eat and we like to drink. And we love to learn how our favorite foods and beverages came to be. In each episode of this podcast, we'll talk about something delicious and answer the question, Where did this come from? It was a pretty quiet Thanksgiving this year. It was, with the exception of a occasionally barking dog. <laughs> occasionally is liberally putting it. She was but pretty good. She was pretty good. I mean, we kept her in the in the crate most yeah, of the she's, time. So she's pretty well crate trained, which is good. But yes, yeah, dog training is really hard. <laughs> yeah, if anyone out there is thinking about getting a puppy or rescuing a dog, um, it's not easy. Make sure we, you have a lot of time. Yeah, we knew it wasn't going to be easy, but yeah. I think you always underestimate how um, difficult it will be. I mean, it's rewarding, but at the yeah. same time, it's our life is on a whole new, yeah. very regimented schedule, which it wasn't a week a week ago. Right. We um, we have a whole new routine, and we realize like how like quiet our life is in general. Yeah. I mean, it was. I don't want to say it was boring, but we weren't really doing anything. Yeah, we weren't doing much. So now we we definitely have our we are definitely busier, um, and it's it's been very rewarding and then yes. also very frustrating. Yes, um, you feel like you're constantly failing this living creature. That is, <laughs> which, if there's any parents out there, and it's similar to that in any way, obviously minus the fact that a human life is much more there's much more in the balance there than with your dog. But I don't know. I don't know. We're 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 forging ahead. It's every it's an hour by hour thing. Yes. And if it sounds like we're whispering slightly today, it's because she is pleasantly snoring in the crate next to us. Yes. So we're hoping to keep it that way for as long as we can. <laughs> yeah. Don't wake the beast. If you don't move, she can't see you. <laughs> That's not true, unfortunately. No. Um no, she she's been really good. But I do have like new respect for all the people that have trained dogs in the past because it is really hard yeah or if it's your your career and your passion good on you because that is that is an exhausting it's yeah. exhausting with our own dog let alone yeah. handling well it's like else's. learning a whole new language like we need to mm-hmm. we're like trying to figure out what she needs and like what our expectations of her are and all that good stuff so yes um it's been fun yeah and it's been fun we've also broken some like bad habits like we used to eat dinner at the coffee table and watch while TV. watching TV. And thankfully, to and break like, that habit, our dog is horrified of the television. So. <laughs> yes. So we're doing a lot of reading and Trevor's yes. been playing the piano. And so, you know, it, it's actually good. We're like switching it up. Um, we are. We are. But anyway, I don't... There's plenty of dog podcasts out there. Uh, welcome <laughs> yeah. back, everybody, to a brand new episode of Where Did This Come From? The, uh, the podcast where we talk about all things delicious and their origin stories. I'm Trevor. And I'm Laura. And today, we are actually going to be talking about the history of brunch. Mm, brunch. Yes. We're recording this on a Sunday, so it's it's fitting. It is fitting. And in like doing some research this morning and last night, I was like, ooh, I could really go for a Bloody Mary. <laughs> yeah, do we have? We don't have anything. We don't have no. any of the ingredients. Actually, we have celery. Let's we have the it. vodka. <laughs> we have vodka and celery. What's mm, that say? Delicious. Um, yeah, so brunch. Mm. This this topic like doesn't have a super deep history, which is actually 
easier for I think our brain space right now <laughs> um and we can go off uh, on plenty of like brunchy tangents oh yeah so without taking up too much time um but anyway so the concept of brunch so like a a meal later mm-hmm. in the day kind of a mix of breakfast food and lunch food uh can be traced back to the UK Ooh, um right. and so it was like an upper class British tradition of hunting luncheons. So they oh, would have okay. like a hunting luncheon. We're going stalking. Yes. Exactly. Sorry, we just finished season four <laughs> we of The just Crown. Finished the Crown. So like, this is kind of perfect. Um, but so that was kind of a, a traditional, like you'd have your hunting party and instead of, you know, getting up super early and having a big breakfast, you would have like a little snack, go mm. hunting, come back. And have a much and have, larger. like a larger meal um you know obviously it was not the same foods that we're used to eating right now for brunch right right um but that idea and the concept can be traced mm-hmm. back to the hunting have parties cinnamon toast crunch crusted french toast french toast yes <laughs> no. that's a shame you're missing <laughs> that's out too bad um but so the first time the word brunch made its appearance was in uh 1895 oh that early yes um, and it was in an article by a man named Guy Berenger. Oh. Berenger's essay appeared in a publication called Hunter's Weekly. Okay. Uh, and he advocated the physical and emotional benefits of this meal consisting of lighter fare to replace the traditional heavy. So, a quote from this article. Brunch is cheerful, sociable, and inciting. It's talk compelling. It puts you in a good temper. It makes you satisfied with yourself and your fellow beings. It sweeps away the worries and the cobwebs of the week. And he also adds, beer and whiskey are admitted as substitutes for tea and coffee. So the boozy brunch goes way back. (laughs) Can you go back to the first line of that real quick? Brunch is cheerful, sociable, and inciting. That is true for anyone having brunch. Anyone serving brunch in the restaurant industry knows that is the exact opposite of what brunch does for you. <laughs> that is true. Brunch is a really annoying meal to serve to it people. It is, because we are the most particular, I think, as as humans, when we are eating breakfast. Hmm. Like, we all want our eggs done a certain, a certain way. way. Yeah, that's we think true. a certain temperature, bacon to be just this crispy or not this yeah. crispy. Um, so true. yes, I've found that. You want your Bloody Mary to be like this spicy or yeah. less spicy oh, yeah. or... Or have five ounces of vodka in it instead of the standard one and a half or two ounces. Right. Yes. Right, it's right. a very uplifting That's experience true. to have brunch. Yeah. Um, but be warned, anyone out there who's going out to brunch, if you're fussy... It, your server is talking your about you behind your server is not, your not pleased with you. But I digress, please. Yes. That article was published and then a couple of years later... That Behringer's piece was republished in a magazine called Punch, which is a British satirical magazine. Okay. Um, I don't think it's no. I don't think it's still in print. No, but there's a there's a a Punch publication, at least an online publication that is cocktail based. So it must be mm, no okay. longer in in, right, in effect. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah. So when Behringer's article was published in Punch, uh, the concept really spread. And by the 1920s, it had reached America. Um, so that's a good time for brunch to hit the states. Yes, so that's it's a actually, swinging time. It's actually pretty interesting. Um, 
So the first city to really adopt a brunch was actually Chicago. Really? I would have said New York. I know. That's what I was They're all about brunch in New York. They are, yes. Some of the best brunches, I think, in the country are in New York now. But it started in Chicago. And the reason for this was before there were transcontinental flights, movie stars who had to be on both coasts would stop in Chicago. So they go like LA to Chicago, spend a night or like the weekend, like fly in Saturday, spend Saturday night, and yeah. then they would brunch on Sunday gotcha. before and then flying fly to New York. All right. Um, so actors like John Barrymore, Helen Hayes, Clark Gable would stop and brunch at the famous pump room which was at the ambassador hotel the pump room the pump room yes um so this was obviously brunch was a meal for the upscale right the wealthy um and the posh and this group could get away with day drinking without Mm, coming mm -hmm. across um as lazy or you know alcoholic or whatever gotcha they didn't have like those same um I don't know, societal standards right, as right. like the working class. Yeah, they were, yeah, they were looked up to for those characteristics probably. Right, exactly. And I guess this was like during the time of prohibition, right? So they also the like 1920s, didn't really, yeah. they were like, whatever, we do what we want. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people did what they wanted <laughs> for, in the, for during prohibition. Worse, but, um, yeah, so that's sort of where how brunch started in the US. Um, cookbooks in the 1930s. Um, recommended that brunch hostesses make alcohol available for her male guests. Oh. Um, but suggesting mocktails like tomato and clam juice Ooh. for the female guests. Clamato. Yeah. <laughs> no offense to anyone there who likes Clamato. It's just not my cup of tea. Yeah. Agreed. Not my fave. Actually, I've never tried it, but it's, it does not sound appealing Man, to down me. Down with the patriarchal drinking. Yes. So it was okay. So everyone was brunching, but it was only... A, okay if you're hosting a brunch to serve your male guests alcohol gotcha gotcha so wait in what scenario could the women have alcohol at a brunch so we'll get there okay um so in the early 1950s because they're the ones who probably needed it the most at that time yeah i'm sure they were drinking it like behind the scenes yeah (laughs) um but in the 1950s day drinking stigma diminished a bit within the middle class right um so after World War II, families, including working women, were looking for sort of like a weekend, um, you know, kickback on the weekend, including a boozy brunch. Mm, Yeah. Boozy brunch. Boozy brunch. Delicious. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, So after World War II, also, church attendance actually dropped significantly in those post-war years. And so the time that folks were previously spending at church all day... They now had free, um, and so they were filling that time with brunch. Right. So brunch, brunch consumption and day drinking on Sundays goes up. Church attendance <laughs> Church goes attendance down. Church attendance goes down. Exactly. Um, so yeah, Sunday mornings kind of become this time to relax, spend time with friends, have a mimosa, Bloody Mary, etc. Similar to today, actually. Yeah. It's kind of yeah, how it goes. Exactly. Um, and then also in the 50s, you know, ready-made um, foods like boxed coffee cake mixes and um, frozen orange juice and, you know, hollandaise sauce that was powdered right. um, are more readily available. So those, again, those like brunch foods can kind of spread. 
Right. The con- the homemade goes down and the convenience products, the convenience yeah, products go, up, go yeah. way up. Which we um, still use a lot of those. I would, honestly, I would not make hollandaise from scratch. I, that's, it's like really challenging. I mean, it, I, I would, I probably couldn't even tell the difference between a, a homemade versus a powdered hollandaise. Yeah. I mean, how infrequently we actually have right. hollandaise. By the way, whoever the person out there, and maybe you'll come across this, and if you do, I'll jump in the gun a little bit. Whoever the person was that had the audacity to say, I need more eggs <laughs> on, on my eggs. eggs. Yeah. A is crazy and also an absolute mad genius. Yeah. So actually, great segue. Ooh. We'll go into Eggs Benedict. Um, so it's said that Eggs Benedict originated at Delmonico's restaurant in Lower Manhattan. Okay. So a chef named Charles Ranhofer came up with the combo in the 1860s. Whoa. Um, one of his regular guests, Miss Legrand Benedict, was tired of the regular menu and wanted something new. He created Eggs Benedict, which he called Eggs a la Benedict, um, and published that in his cookbook in 1894. So that was the first time it was published that we published. know so that's the first time there was a date attached to eggs benedict yes and there's a competing story also there always is from 1894 so the other possibility of the history of eggs benedict was um a man named lemuel benedict after he was drinking the night before he wandered into the waldorf hotel in manhattan and he ordered some components of the dish um, so basically like a deconstructed eggs yeah. Benedict, it sounds like. Um, and the chef, or sorry, the maitre d' seeing the order come through, um, realized like this is a really good combo. And so he put the this eggs Benedict mm-hmm. on the menu. So the maitre d's name was Oscar Chersky. He also created the Waldorf salad. So Gotcha. But these are both in New York. These are both in New York. And also, Chersky previously worked at Delmonico's right around this time. So it's possible, oh. like, maybe he... Stole it. Stole he, it, or, did he like... poach the recipe? <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> I'll give you credit for All that All right. One. That was a good one. <laughs> Still got it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it was kind of, like, all in the... The New York brunch scene. Right, right. Um, when Eggs Benedict sort of came about. Right. I mean, it could be both of those, one of those, neither of those two. Right. And it came from somewhere else and they both stole it. But either way. Right. I or mean, both... slightly different because I do think that so the um, Waldorf Hotel version, Lemuel Benedict, who ordered all the components, um, ordered regular bacon instead of Canadian bacon and toast rather than an English muffin. So perhaps... Um, Shersky like got the inspiration from, from that yeah. or like got the inspiration from when he was working at Delmonico. Or the Benedicts were related and they just liked <laughs> the same things. True. That is another likely possibility. Well, it's a tasty little story. It is. I will say like whoever invented it. Good job. Delicious. Fantastic work. Yeah. And then all the permutations that have happened since. Yes. I was just going to say a crab cake Benedict is like oh, one yeah. of you're my a, absolute favorites. You're a sucker for a crab cake Benny. I, Love that. We last time we were in San Francisco, we like wandered around to find the to find crab cake Benedict. a place that had crab cake Benedict. Yeah, like having a really good crab cake Benedict. Yeah, we kind of wandered around and, and asked people, like, "Hey, do you have a crab cake Benedict?" And they're like, "No." We walked like, around yeah. like five or six different places. Yeah, 
Um, and when we finally did find a crab cake Benedict, it was oh, it was good perfection. Or um, shout out to Zaftigs in Brookline Village in mm, Brookline, Mass. Yeah. The Empire Eggs, their so take on the Benedict. On the oh my gosh, yeah, it's so it's mm. it's a latka potato pancake. In case you don't know what latka is, um, smoked salmon poached eggs and then of course the hollandaise sauce fantastic so So good good. so good so good i even just like a simple like no meat version so like english muffin tomato avocado egg yeah absolutely hollandaise or without hollandaise too i'm okay with it but there's Mm, gotta have hollandaise Hollandaise does have yeah no no no, it's true it's true um yeah, this is like really making me want eggs Benedict. <laughs> well, we, we don't have anything to make it, so we have eggs. Do you want some poached eggs We're on pretty plate? much like cleaned out from Thanksgiving, so. Yeah, we are. Um, I was also looking at the history of like the, the waffle, like the Belgian Ooh, waffle, yeah. which oh, we could honestly do a whole episode on. So it, there's a lot of history in waffles and like awesome. a traditional waffle like from Belgium or they used to call them Brussels waffles, Mm -hmm. are completely different than what we would see on a brunch menu in the U.S. And part of that is because the, like, historically Belgian waffles or Brussels waffles um, are a yeast-based batter. Oh. And in the U.S., when we started putting, you know, waffles on menus – they just used the same batter as the pancakes, but then put them in the cast iron gotcha. waffle. Gotcha. Gotcha. Iron. Um, but that's not really the type of batter that you're supposed to use for a waffle. And so, because the taste isn't as fantastic as the traditional Brussels waffle, they add all these accompaniments on them. So, like, they've Got put it. a ton of extra stuff on there. You don't really miss the... Um, the more traditional batter gotcha. in your waffle because you have all this extra yeah. stuff on it. I like the taste of a wa- like a waffle by I, I itself. I mean, it's really good. Yeah, it's true. But if you had – what's that place in Harvard Square that has waffles? Like Zinnemans or something? Zinnikins? I think it's Zinnikins, but – Yeah, like their waffle batter is really, really good. That's probably more traditional. I think that they try to make it more traditional. Yeah. And I, I do think you can taste a difference. Yeah, it's also not a – if I remember right from like spending a little bit of time in Belgium – it's not a breakfast food. Right. It's, it's like, like a, a street, It's like a street snack, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it usually could have like some stuff on top of it, but mm-hmm. definitely not the, oh, we like made this, you know, strawberries and whipped cream and syrup and mm. that stuff. You got to get the butter in every little cranny. Mm, yeah. So the Eggo waffle also has like an interesting history, but I don't remember it. So we have to go. Okay. <laughs> I, thought you were, I thought you were teeing me up there. Sorry. No, it's okay. Hey, it's a little preview for a future waffle episode, yeah. which we will have so to do. There's like a lot of waffle stuff going on. But yeah, I do love waffle. And I do love pancakes too, obviously. Yes. Pancakes. Laura is the pancake maker yes. in this house. Yes. Okay. Usually the rule is if, if one of us is making bre- – when one of us is making breakfast, I should say, if there's eggs or related, I'm generally the, the lead chef. Mm-hmm. And if it's pancakes, Laura is like, get out of my kitchen. I got this. <laughs> and I've tried to surprise you with pancakes before. And they just, I don't, and I, I make them from a mix. And I don't know what it is. I think I'm convinced it's because I have this weird obsession with measuring mm-hmm. on the, to the recipe on the back. And you just eye it up and you nail it every right. time. And it bugs me that I can't do that. So I just <laughs> like, well, if I just follow the instructions that yeah. the company gave me on the packaging, 
I'll be good to go. And sure, nope, every yeah. single time. Gotta, it's got to go by feel. Every single time I get it wrong. Gotta, it, the lumpy batter, honestly, is like the secret to pancakes. Yeah, I think you're right. Like you can't over mix it because then it just, the air all gets out of it and you get flat, like kind of doughy pancakes. Yeah. Well, thankfully for both of us, I have you around to make yes, those pancakes. We're so. good. I got you. Got you covered. Um, yeah. So pancakes go way back. So any time, any form of pancake, every culture essentially has had a pancake version. So some kind of like flour, wheat Mm -hmm. mixture, um, with eggs and water. I mean, that really goes back to around the world and every culture. So around the world and every culture. Um, and I think the article that I was looking at said, you know, ancient Greece, they, they have Mm -hmm. like, the first records of a right, pancake right, were right, right. from ancient Greece. So. And it was probably Greece when it was in Egypt, in Alexandria. Right. <laughs> probably because just the way <laughs> yeah. the track record of everything works in history. Exactly. Um, so pancakes are kind of a less clear path of history right, and how it spread right. around. But again, similar to like our bread episode, when you have these ingredients, it's kind of like, okay, well, what can we, what can we mm-hmm. do? Put these together. Um, yeah. Yeah. Chocolate chip pancakes. I don't really like eat chocolate chip pancakes much anymore, but like when I was little, that was my absolute go-to chocolate chip pancakes. Yes. I mean, I've seen you get so excited about chocolate chip pancakes. I know. Every once in a while, I still make them, but yeah, I great. do find them a little too sweet now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. have to be like I really agree. in a well, Especially mood. if you're going to put syrup on them. It's hard to... Yeah. My teeth hurt thinking about it a little bit. <laughs> Ugh, we're getting so old. No, we're not. Don't... <laughs> Don't do that. Um, but chocolate chip pancakes, blueberry pancakes, um, apple pancakes, apple pancakes, mm, Dutch cinnamon. babies. Yes, delicious, yeah. delicious. Yeah. So again, oh, we could just list the types of pancakes. A lot of variation on pancakes. Um, obviously, crepes, Dutch baby, mm-hmm. etc. All oh, that yeah. good stuff. Um, all excellent brunch food. Very true. Very true. I do feel like when I go out to brunch. I very rarely will get the lunch food on the menu. Yes, unless we're meeting someone out and it's like 1130 and we've already had breakfast. Yeah. And that's yeah. the case. I'm like, well, I probably should get like the lunch food because I'm double breakfast. Yeah. nothing wrong with double breakfast. Don't get me wrong. Like breakfast for dinner, brinner, always a good mm-hmm. option. But mm-hmm. back-to-back meals for breakfast I'll generally shy away from. Yeah. Um, actually, you just reminded me of another note. So the – the guy who coined the term brunch, Guy Berenger, he, in his article... Literally the guy who named brunch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We haven't been doing much sleeping, everybody. I know, we're a little loopy. Um, He, in his article, says that brunch should be around like 1230. Oh, okay. So the 10 a.m. brunch for him was like not a thing. Right out. Don't, eh, oh, forget it. It's Um, just breakfast. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. It's just breakfast with alcohol at that point. Exactly. And that's just wrong. Um, so he was a firm believer in the late day brunch. Gotcha. Not the early brunch, but um, so a little bit about the history of the Bloody Mary. Uh so a bartender named Ferdinand Pete Pitio um conceived sort of the first version of the Bloody Mary in the 1920s in Paris. Um, And he was working at the famous Harry's New York Bar Uh, in Paris. Um, So after Prohibition, Pitio brought the drink to Manhattan 
um, and he kind of doctored it up a little bit to what we know of today um, at the King Cole Bar at the St. Regis Hotel. Was it originally spicy? Was it a spicy beverage? Did that come up? Um, I, I think the original recipe did have like horseradish. And, okay. So I think it was spicy. Because otherwise it's just tomato juice and vodka. And yeah. That's not, not a big fan of tomato juice. The thing is like I don't like tomato juice, but mm. I love Bloody Marys. Uh, yeah, I know. I agree. And it's it has to have stuff. a lot of horseradish and pepper and yeah. good spice. You have a little CV the stuff floating around in it, like the peppercorns <laughs> yeah. and the horseradish. Which is like and... the only time I would want that in a drink. But Yeah, you generally want a chunky beverage. Yeah, um, not But so a much. Bloody Mary makes for a good chunky beverage. Exactly. Just going to throw it out there. When Petio first had the drink back in the U.S., he renamed it the Red Snapper oh. um, in order to, I don't know, appeal to the more delicate American crowd. So. We're so delicate. We're so, so delicate. Um, and actually, I'm not sure when it sort of changed back to the Bloody Mary, but it did. And that's the brunch cocktail we all know and love today. Yes. Bloody Mary, Bloody Maria. Delicious with, with um, tequila. tequila. Yeah. Mm, yep. Then there's the Caesar, which I don't understand. Is that the clam juice? Just one? clam juice. So a Caesar, as far as I know, it's instead of tomato juice, it's clam juice with all the other stuff. Mm. Vodka, yeah. um, and then there's the um, the bloody Caesar, which is the half and half kind of thing, yeah. clamato, and I might be able to do that one. I could probably get that one down. Yeah, um, not my first choice, but Agreed. hey, if there, if it's out there and it makes you happy, drink it. Yeah, enjoy. I mean, I will say, like the Bloody Mary, I have a hard time sometimes because I'll go and I'll want a Bloody Mary, mm-hmm. and it's like nine in the morning. Yeah. And it's not because I want the alcohol necessarily at 9 in yeah, the morning. Yeah, you just want, like, I the want spiciness. the drink. Yeah. But I also am like, oh, I don't know if I want a virgin Bloody Mary. I think I'm going to get after it if I'm going to get after it. But <laughs> if I'm in a place that allows you to order it at that time, I still feel weird. Right. Although I will say that one of the hardest things in coming back from New Orleans the couple times we've gone <laughs> is literally – not starting your day any day of the week with a Bloody Mary because you can just get them anywhere and so walk around true. the streets with them. And they put those pickled green beans in there. Yeah. Like by that fistful. Oh my yeah, gosh. So good. Sit outside yeah. with that by the river, watch a little jazz on a Sunday morning or a Tuesday morning or a Wednesday afternoon or really any time <laughs> of day. Whatever day. Yeah. Um, one other note on the Bloody Mary. So supposedly it is not supposed to be an evening drink. Um, those Agreed. who consume it after the sun has set possesses personality defects and are to be avoided, according to this article. And I guarantee you, if you asked any professional bartender, they would say exactly the same thing <laughs> as well. Because, like, what do you, you want a Bloody Mary? It's 7.30 at night. I have to go downstairs to get the Bloody Mary mix because it's not supposed to be out after, like, 3 p.m. in the afternoon. It's yeah. this whole ordeal. Yes, it's, it is supposed to be drank during the day. Um, obviously most known as an antidote to the common hangover. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I'm a little hair of the dog. Yeah. It, it depends for me. Sometimes it's too much. I mean, you can't be like debilitatingly hungover. Like <laughs> right. if that's the case, you probably shouldn't be at brunch anyway, because <laughs> exactly. those types of foods aren't going to make you feel the best. Yeah. Not so much. But yeah, so that is sort of the, the high level history of brunch and it's most popular components. I'm actually surprised it went back to the 1800s, to be totally honest with you. Yeah. I always associate it with 
the last 30 years, really. Right. Yeah. Maybe that's because I'm only 35, and that's like where my memory starts is when I was yeah. five years old. Yeah. I think the it, the 80s in New York was really when a lot of places started doing a regular brunch and doing like bottomless mimosas and all that kind of stuff. It's a dangerous um, combination. Yeah. I think most places now will limit it. Like you get bottomless for like the first hour or something like, like that. Like bottomless is put in quotations. Right. Yeah. You get there like has to be, three. there has to be a bottom. Like that is yeah, just, there what, should that be. is just reckless. There should be a bottom. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What's your favorite brunch food? Oh, it depends. I generally veer away from pancakes at brunch. Yeah. I'll try to get something that, and this is generally true of any time we were able to go out to restaurants mm-hmm. on a regular basis, is I'll try to get something that we wouldn't ever really make at home. Yeah. Um, so pancakes and waffles, I generally stay away from, even though we don't make waffles at home. I think it's the savory things I gravitate towards. Right. If you're going to get pancakes, get table cakes. Table yeah. cakes is a real power. Right. It's like table everyone fries. Can, yeah, at, everyone at night, can have a little bite of pancakes. Yeah, get some table cakes for the table. Um, I'll generally lean towards some kind of omelet. Mm, or, yeah, oh, the omelet. Yeah. Or a breakfast sandwich with really tasty home fries or hash browns on the side. Or a, a Benedict variation mm, normally. Yeah. yeah. Like the old Sound Bites Benedict with the, uh, the mashed potato hash brown base instead of the English muffin. Yeah, those are so good. Yeah. Man. Brunch is delicious. I feel like half of these episodes are just us reeling off things we've eaten in the I past. And, and getting super hungry. So I can't thank you enough for continuing to listen to us just talk <laughs> about food we ate in the past or drinks we had in the past. Someday, soon, hopefully we'll all be able to go out to brunch again. Yes, absolutely we will. As Fauci said in a press conference, I think, this week. He said specifically about brunch? Um, somewhat. A reporter asked... Like, kind of jokingly, like, will the gays ever be able to brunch again? And he... They I asked think, Dr. Anthony Fauci that question. Yes. That's fantastic. And he said, yes, and I'll be happy to join you. Um, That's so, lovely. I know. So That thanks, is lovely. Thanks, Fauci. Absolutely. Um, yes, thank for you for giving everything. us hope. <laughs> yes. And truth and science. Yes. Here, here. Cool. So my resources for this episode are history.com, an article by Stephanie Butler... HuffPost.com, History of the Belgian Waffle, MASH.com, Encyclopedia Britannica, and Liquor.com. Liquor.com is a fantastic resource for everything. I love that website. Really? It was the first time I'd been on it. I love that website. I'm I'm a newsletter member of that website. Oh, really? It's really really great. Awesome variants on different cocktails, cocktail stories, articles. Like, obviously, we don't have any sponsors. And they will, we are so not on their radar, but they, <laughs> they uh, it is really a fantastic website. If you want to learn uh, a lot about liquor history, cocktail history, um, anything you could imagine that could fall under the liquor.com yeah. name, um, go there and take a look. It is really, yeah. really phenomenal. Well, the, so that was where I got the Bloody Mary history info and they do have like kind of a write up on the history and then the recipe at the bottom. Yeah, they so, do. It's a lot of that. Shop yeah. It is. If you oh. care about the history of cocktails and stuff. Yeah, a little history, a little, little cocktail at the same time. They have really good, um, really appealing how to make it videos with lots of famous bartenders oh, as well. Oh, that's cool. Which is really, really great. Too. Yeah, that's always fun to watch. 
Ah, the well, masters create stuff. Well, that was a nice, a lighthearted episode for us. It, it was. A, it was a nice, like like you said, it was a light history. Yeah, but nothing like too intense or yeah. or bloody. The my t- side, oh, there you go. Yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah, I'm rubbing <laughs> off on you. I know. The, We're uh, spending way too much time together. Yeah, the the tone of the episode was very brunchy. I'll put it that yes, way. Yes, it's very exactly. nice. According to the original definition of what brunch should be. Should be yes. Well, on that note, everybody, thank you as always for listening to another episode of Where Did This Come From? Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your uh, favorite podcast platform. We're on pretty much all of them out there. Yeah. And um, if you're on Instagram, you can follow us at Where Did This Come From Pod. So that's at Where Did This Come From underscore pod. Um, and we do show updates and some quizzes and Wine Facts Wednesdays. So um, give us a follow. Yeah, absolutely. In the meantime, everybody, have a wonderful week. Stay healthy, be well, and we'll see you next time on a brand new episode of Where Did This Come From. Mm-hmm.